From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event. We're honored today to welcome sports reporting legend Art Spander into the studio. I invited Art because he's been covering the Warriors since 1965 when the San Francisco Chronicle gave him the basketball beat. We talk a lot about the team's first run in San Francisco when owner Franklin Muley was just trying to keep the team from folding. I ask Art what he thinks about the move back to the city. And we also talk about longevity in sports journalism. What strikes me about Art is that he isn't the least bit jaded. You walk away from a conversation with 80-year-old Art Spander liking sports more and feeling as if it's going to be a great day. Here's Art talking about why he still loves being in the press box 60 years after his first sports reporting job. I've told people this. I've Guys at the Super Bowl, oh, I don't like this. If you don't like going to the Super Bowl, you're in the wrong business. If you're uh, uh, an art critic and you don't like going to the Louvre, and I've been there many times, then why are you doing this? Why are you in this business? Uh, you know, we all get jaded. The, the desk people will root against the home teams because it makes their job easier. Yeah. But it's, it, if, if you don't like uh, writing uh, about this is the fun side of journalism, sports, um, uh, the arts, entertainment, and, and you're doing that, then why are you doing it? Then just you know, get out of it. You could be running a jigsaw or something. I mean, this is the first The Big Event and Exile show. We've moved out of our studio in the photo archive while it's under construction and into the negatives archive across the way in the basement. There's a squeaking you're going to hear in the background. It sounds a little like there's a puppy playing with a squeak toy. That's one of our chairs making noise and the mic was picking it up. We'll get some WD-40 in here before the next episode. Art Spander enters his seventh decade covering the Warriors next year when he'll also attend his 67th consecutive Rose Bowl. And you can read him right now at www.artspander.com. We're your concierge for culture in the Bay Area. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome back to the San Francisco Chronicle, Art Spander. Thank you. Yeah, long time. I walked in the door and I said, wow, I, I used to be here. Oh, in 1965, I came up from L.A., Santa Monica Outlook, went to work for the Chronicle. I think a few years ago, I actually found your press photo. I'm going to share that with our readers. It was shot in 65. Uh, you had kind of big, kind of Buddy Holly glasses. Yep. And you looked a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, wouldn't you be? You know, it's funny. I can remember flying up. Uh, late Art Rosenbaum hired me flying up for like uh, two days to do interviews and my wife and I. And then, and okay, where are we going to live? We, we, we moved up on Twin Peaks uh-huh. and lived there for a year. No kids. Uh, had a little dog. And that was about it. And then we moved over to Oakland. But, boy, you know, I was going to the big time, the Chronicle, uh, and uh, it's funny because I had hoped to go to the L.A. Times growing up in L.A. and reading it and, and working there, but uh, it turned out this was a, a great break. Uh, I got to know the Bay Area. I got into wine big time yeah. um, and a few other things and, and seen a, a lot of great events. 
Well, you know, I want to talk about those great events, and I really want to spend some time. We're going to do that on the uh, Warriors because uh, I actually have your first Warriors game story here that we'll talk about. Uh, November 16th, 1965. So I think it's so cool. You have so many great streaks. Your Rose Bowl streak, we'll talk about that a little bit. But you've been covering the Warriors since 65, and I've used you as a resource on stories I've written. But I'd love to get your thoughts about the Warriors, but I wanted to start and just get that background. I'm a native of L.A., and and my age, I'm 80. I mean, people looking up. Yeah. Uh, When I went to elementary school there, I was like the only person in my class from Southern California, from Los Angeles. All the others, their fathers, had moved out after World War II. They had gone through um, L.A. or Santa Ana or whatever on the way to the Pacific uh, in the fighting, and uh, and and of course, once they left <laughs> Cleveland or or Detroit, wherever they were, uh, they they weren't going to go back. And I can remember, like, I used to root for the West Coast teams in the Rose Bowl, and everybody else was cheering for Ohio State and Michigan because that's who they were from. And uh, I mean, California obviously has changed. That uh, this was uh, uh, 60 years ago. 70, my time, 80 years ago, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's funny because coming, I had never been to San Francisco till I was 18, and I was at UCLA, a freshman, flew up on a DC-3, uh-huh. and a uh, little frightened, but since then I've taken, what, 500, 800, 1,000 airplane trips, traveling literally all over the world, and ended up marrying a a lady who was a Spanish teacher, also a native of Los Angeles, uh, the great Liz Spander, Uh who keeps my life going, and and basically, uh, you know, now on the road a lot. Yeah, I, I'm looking at actually your first bylines in the Chronicle here. I looked them up in um, June and July, I think 1965. One of them is about a guy, Dave Smith, who is swimming from the Capitol to the Carquinez Strait. Right. And I, the, the second one that I found was, um, uh, his name's Ron Ellis, and he works for Ringling Brothers. They were kind of giving you the grab bag in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. They were, in other words, you know, and that's to be expected. Um, you're the new guy, a new person, and uh, who, who who's going to do the Rodeo? Uh, send out. out. Yeah. And actually, you know, I wanted to do football, baseball. And the funny thing is I had never written golf until I got to the Chronicle. I played it. And we used to talk golf. Uh-huh. And, and But uh, all, one of the it, – it's great – now, as in retrospect, you look back, the variety of subjects makes you a much better writer, and they were fun things. Now, I remember that Dave Smith. This, uh, you know, now that you mention it, swimming up and down yeah. in the Bay Area, and uh, and yeah, the Ringing Brothers Ringmaster, and I also did some rodeo and stuff like that. And uh, you're thinking to yourself, I want to be the baseball writer. I want to be Bob Stevens, the late Bob yeah. Stevens. And uh, I end up doing everything. Were, were the Warriors, was that your first kind of beat for a professional sports team? Well, what happened was um, I, I'm the same age as Jerry West and Oscar Robertson, <laughs> who we all graduated or finished our last year of university in 1960. And 
once again, I mentioned I had I had I had worked. Uh, UPI had given me this job first as a, a chauffeur copy boy during the Democratic convention. Then they said we have an opening. Oh boy, I'll take it. Well, it was 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. And I did a lot of rewrite. And then I, I wasn't married then. And I said, hey, they got this new team in town. The, the Lakers just moved from Minneapolis. And I think uh, maybe nobody cares. But obviously, you wouldn't have a team in Los Angeles named Lakers. Uh-huh. They came from Minneapolis with the land of 10,000 lakes. Uh, and uh, they didn't change the nickname. But I said, oh, I can cover basketball. And so on my nights off, they gave me five bucks a game, and I, and I covered it for UPI. What were those first Lakers games like? Well, they didn't have any fans. That was the first thing. They played at the sports arena, which you have seen in movies, the right stuff, uh-huh. stuff like that. And, and then, and then the, of course, the Lakers moved. Then they moved to the Forum. Then they moved now to Staples. But nobody cared about pro basketball. Nobody, about the only things in L.A., and, and I can name you know both the Bay Area and L.A. Up here, Northern California, 49ers were the the team uh-huh. and and the Warriors hadn't yet arrived and the Giants were were interesting the people didn't know they Willie Mays didn't even know who he was they still love Joe DiMaggio uh-huh. and even though they never played here he grew up here obviously and um the Lakers were okay who are these people and they would they play a Sunday afternoon game in a in, a, in the fifth I guess the the arena the sports arena held around 13, 14,000, and they'd sometimes draw 4,500 people. Wow. But their second, I, was, I believe it was the second year, they got to the playoffs, and it, all of a sudden people got turned on, and, and since then, and it's just like, let me jump, just jump to the Warriors. I covered the Warriors, I've been going the Warriors since 65, and there have been years where they were awful, but once they, they found their fan base. I mean, they won 17 games one year. They, can you imagine? They won how many? 20 something in a row, and they won 17 all year, and 21 another year. But but I think they have great fans now. That's because from the end of football season to the beginning of baseball season, there was very little except college basketball, and this is not a college basketball town. Yeah. Well, I. I actually have right here your very first game story for the Chronicle. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Uh, Don't. (laughs) Guy rips bullets. Guy Rogers did everything with the basketball last night except make it disappear. The one thing Baltimore wishes he had done and led the Warriors to a 123-112 win at San Jose Civic Auditorium. Um, Mentions here that uh, when Rogers was removed from the game with six minutes left, he was given a standing ovation by the crowd of 2,700. Now, I know this because um, I dig around in the archive here. When the Giants came here, there was this massive parade. I mean, children chasing them in the streets. Uh, the 49ers were popular. The Warriors come here in 62. They have a big parade down Market Street. No one shows up. <laughs> They're having games here. I mean, 2,700 in well, San Jose. you got to remember, that's all that place held. It's still there. They have plays, opera, etc. <laughs> it's downtown. It's a little auditorium. Yeah. The, the Warriors played everywhere. They Is that played, the City National Civic? 
huh? It's called the City yeah. National yeah. Civic now, yep. across yeah. from yeah. the it's convention It's right downtown. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, the Warriors played at what is now Bill, Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, uh-huh. played at USF, played, uh, of course, they eventually started playing games in Oakland after that was built, played at San Jose Civic, and then... <laughs> When, when Franklin changed the name because he wanted to take advantage, the San Diego Rockets moving to Houston, oh boy, I'll play some games in San Diego. That's why there's Golden State Warriors. Yeah. He didn't like California. He says California's university. So he changed the name to Golden State. Yeah. What were those years like? I mean, interacting with the players, interacting with the owner, how is it different than now? What, what were those early well, years like? obviously, I was much younger. I was, you know, a year or two older than the players, so we had a lot in common. Uh, now I'm, you know, it's a, it's a different world. I'm much, much, I'm older than their, you know, not only older than their play, the players, the the uh, my kids are older than the players, and and that happens. That's you know one of the things about sports is you keep getting older, and the participants keep getting younger. Uh-huh. And and you look around and you have a very little in common. I, I got to say the athletes today, I like them. They they're educated. They grew up watching TV. They know what to say. But but the Warriors, I mean, it was, it was small and and we didn't put as much emphasis on quotes as we do now because you actually reported the event. Now, as you know. Everything is known seconds after the game, and and people are watching games on their phones. They're watching it on their on their uh, uh, iPads, uh, and and in a way, it, it's great. So you that's what's changed sports writing from what telling what went on to explaining why it went on. Yeah, and and we became. Uh, Quotes became very important. Sometimes you get dumb quotes, but sometimes they're very good. Why did you do this? What were you thinking? Yeah. And and that's and of course now that's what basically television, radio, uh, newspapers, websites. That's what everybody does. What? So you're their age back then. Mm-hmm. Other than Chamberlain, I'm guessing the players weren't making much more money than you were. Did you hang out with them? Did you get uh, drinks with bit, them? Did a little you? bit. Um, uh, one of the one of the big changes, and this was in golf too, uh, Johnny Miller, who was a, a native of San Francisco. Oh, sure, sure. And I was a couple of years. He just turned seventy-one, and he was nineteen when I first started covering. But we'd go to dinner. I mean, hey, who's going to dinner? Okay, fine. And, and once again, Al Adels made six thousand dollars a year, I believe, his in the in sixty, sixty-one, sixty-two. There was very little money. Television changed everything. Once they started paying the, the, the rights fees in the millions, then they said the, the players ought to get it or the players demanded it. And of course you had strikes and et cetera. But then, then the players were independent. But otherwise, there was a guy named Gus Williams who played for the Warriors the year after they won their championship in 75. And he used to say, are you going to buy me dinner? I said, no, you're going to buy me dinner. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was different. And, and, uh, and of course, something I don't even think of now, there was no social media. And we didn't tell every little detail. In fact, I can tell this Jim Barnell. <laughs> yeah. I was covering the Warriors, I guess it was 74, 5. 
and we were stuck in Buffalo because uh, of the snow, and the players were sitting in the airport, and Barnett, who was married and still is, was watching the women walk by and making comments. So I write a piece, you know, once again, a reporter and columnist and, and you might say, uh, uh, someone who takes advantage of what's going on. What does the story here? So Jim's making remarks. So I write this story. <laughs> Jim wouldn't talk to me for days because uh-huh. he said, you know, it looks like I'm I'm chasing these women, which he wasn't. But yeah. he's anyway. But we'd sit around there, and now there's nobody does that. But we also did not write secrets if there were any. Somebody. Off the record was very big then, and I don't think it matters anymore. People say, is that off the record? And then I see it uh, two hours later in the paper. Yeah. So, I mean, and this was also, Warriors were not that big of a deal. I mean, distant third to the Niners and Giants. Yes, yes. I understand they played, you might have been the one who told me this, that they practiced, because USF had Memorial Gym, that the Warriors sometimes practiced at a high school. Yeah, and they also practiced... Um, at the Mormon Temple in, in the Oakland Hills. I mean, I mean, first place, that is not really unusual. Teams will come to town, and they need a practice facility, yeah. and, and you're not going to practice at, at or at where you play a lot of times because the court is tied up. And, and I mean, the famous story, you know, the, obviously when the Warriors won the championship and, and they couldn't get in the, into the in, – they couldn't get into the cow palace at the right time. Either could the bullets get into their uh, arena because there were previous bookings. Yeah. And that's what happened. In other words, you didn't know the Warriors or the bullets were going to be in the postseason, so you better book the flower show. Yeah. <laughs> or the wrestling. That's what, what – and and so it was the ice follies, I believe. Yeah, it was so the, the ice, ice follies. follies, and then and then they had to change the date of the Cow Palace game because there was a kung fu exhibition. Yeah, and, <laughs> and of course, we can get into that. But the the normally you play two two one one one. Yeah, uh, Casey, um, who the, the head coach of the of the Bullets, and uh, he and was a USF guy at San Franciscan. He didn't want to go take a chance on playing the first two games here because getting into a hole. But so they played one, two, one. And of course, the Warriors upset the Bullets there, come back and win the two here at the Cow Palace, uh-huh. uh, not at Oakland because they can't get into Oakland. And then they go back and win game four sweep. And uh, that was 75, 74, 75. And, uh, and, you know, that obviously made them very popular. But you, you even now, teams will fly in. They'll they'll practice uh, at Olympic Club at the, at the gym at Olympic yeah, Club. Yeah. The other the uh, visiting teams. Do you remember that championship and what what was the city like? What was it like then compared to now? Well, obviously, much much bigger, much more attention. Uh, as we know, you know the Dubs as they they nicknamed them and. And people, one of the things I've noticed in sports over the, the years is that, and, and this is, started maybe with the 49ers, fans all wear the jerseys and T-shirts or, or whatever of the team 
they're they're cheering for. Yeah. You you could go to a 49er game in the uh, let's say the early 70s and fans were just dressed they were they go to a football game. Oh, we have the photos of them here. Yeah, I mean, f- first of all, in the 40s and 50s, it was fedoras and a yeah, suit, right, to right. roller derby art. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then when I started going to Niner games in the 70s and 80s, if we had Niner gear, it was not from the 49er store. It was like you know, McDonald's gave away a 49er hat, or they were all different. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And and. That really started, of course. Now everything's merchandising and marketing, yeah. and but uh, people, you know, the the team won. There was a parade. It was exciting, and uh, and it was you know fine. Uh, I what I remember, uh, the two home games at the Cow Palace was the the, the were the fans just cheering so loudly. I couldn't remember anything, you know. With with that much, people are so enthusiastic, and uh, and then now it's, it, in a way it's back. But now people expect that it, we know, and and everybody's got paraphernalia, and everybody cheers, and everybody knows the Warriors, and it's it's it, it's different because it's it's all programmed now. It's it's orchestrated. Uh, what I don't like, and you see this every sport, uh, baseball, football, ba- let's noise, make noise. Yeah. It used to be, if if it was important enough, the fans would make noise on their own, without anybody telling them. Some things, some things I have to think are the same too. What's the same now? That just what, what things don't change. <laughs> fans want to win, and players want to. But fans, people love winners. And and that's the, the essence. Um, you and they, they they don't like necessarily. They don't dislike losers, but fans don't go to a losing games. Um, teams, uh, you know, move because of that. But I mean, the, the Giants. Uh, it's funny. You see now the Giants are having uh, attendance problems. Uh, quote problems. I shouldn't say problems. They're, they're drawing twenty five, twenty eight thousand. Uh, that would have been wonderful uh, uh, before they moved out of Candlestick. But a Monday night on a Candlestick uh, game, when the cold and everything, they might draw 9,000 people, 8,000 yeah. people. So, one, there's people, they're much more aware, I think, of what's going on now. And, um, uh, but I still think that it gets down, to people love a winner, and the Warriors are winning right now. And in the 75 team was a surprising winner. That's another thing. People love an upset. And when, the, like the 49ers won that for first time, the 81 season, and they knocked off the Cowboys, and then they won the, the Super Bowl and uh, beating Cincinnati, I believe it was. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's like the whole town went crazy because they didn't expect it. Then the next time you win, it's, oh, well been there done that yeah yeah i i wonder too what you think about the move back because you covered them when they were here you covered the warriors when they were in san francisco what did you think about the plans to move back and 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 the fact that they're going to be back here next year well i I do not like to see any team move i I think uh uh, leonard coppett who was a wonderful sports writer uh new york post new york times came down to the peninsula, wrote for the then Peninsula Times Tribune. Uh, 
uh, as many of us lost his job or the paper, and then were taught at Stanford. Yeah. And and of his his class essays he put together in a book called Sports Illusion, Sports Reality. The illusion is that to the fans, this me this is very important. We're number one. Hey, isn't that great? We win. The reality is the billions and billions of dollars that the owners or television or everybody else makes off the game. So I don't like to see teams move. The Raiders, to me, a great example. Loyal fans, and they have no control over where the team is going. I'd like to see the, the Warriors stay where they are, but the owners all want... Uh, better box seats, fancier surroundings, and when you're winning, people are very willing to give it to you. What did you think about when the Warriors moved to Oakland? Did you feel the same way? Well, yeah. Here's what happened. They in six, Was it 67 that uh, Frank Lamuli came out with the city? And uh, well, everybody mocked it. Oh, look at the that. City now, jersey, the city logo. The city yeah. with the... Now the, a classic. Well, yeah. yeah, now... And now every team... They, they, Oakland's got the town, and, and and Denver's got the mountains, and Portland's got Rip City. Yeah. By the way, Jim Barnett... Uh, coined that coined term. Coined that phrase. Yeah. You, you probably know that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, so it, it's a little different, but I, I, it's... The, once again, I... The Oklahoma City Thunder used to be the Seattle Supersonics. And nothing that the fans did in Seattle should have cost them the team, but it did. Now, so the Warriors are the, the city. Um, and, and people saying, <laughs> there was a guy named Fred Hetzel who was very good, high draft pick. Um, and he said, I thought it said Daly City. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it was unique. And, uh, and it gave him a little identification. And that's what, I guess, you if you can't win, then you got to be famous for an, another reason. But uh, th- we can talk about Franklin Muley was the last of the mama and papa owners. You couldn't do what he did, and they won a championship. He didn't have the, 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 the wherewithal. He didn't have to, to um, pay the players what they needed. But free agency didn't exist the way it does does today where everybody just jumps around but the 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 75 championship and they were they were sort of splitting they were playing some games at uh at at bill grant what is now bill graham civic auditorium Uh was just civic auditorium some at oakland uh, and they played a few at usf but not many uh that once they got the um Oak, the Oakland, it was called the Oakland Coliseum Arena yeah. at the time. Um, but, you know, once again, it, it, you didn't think much of it, of them, quote, moving because they were playing in, in several locations. Yeah, and that was Franklin Muley you mentioned. I mean, yeah. I, I did a story on the City Jersey and interviewed you, and, and what I found out was that Cleveland, I think they were another expansion team, and San Francisco had the lowest uh, lowest attendance and he was doing anything he could just to keep the team alive. I mean, it wasn't, you know, like like the city was something that he yeah. just wanted to do for fun. He's he, just trying to do whatever he could. Yeah, I mean, he his family was part of the Navlitz, um, uh-huh. uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, nursery uh, group. Yeah, yeah. And, and Franklin, yeah, he, in fact, he owned a bit of the 49ers, the Giants, and, and a lot of the Warriors. There was a decal you could buy and it said we love thee all three and he those, 
he was connected to all three teams. And uh, uh, once, you know, he was fighting a, a tough battle because this was not pro basketball country yeah. at the time. And uh, he, he, we didn't know what was going on. But, but the thing is, the city, he said, everybody knows what the city is. Yeah. And, uh, and we did. Yeah. Are, are, you're still going to games now? Yeah. Regularly? You, I, uh, well, I know you're in the okay. box I, I, I'll, I'll throw him a, a plug. Uh, www.artspander, <laughs> one word, two, two, two names, artspander.com. So I write for that, and I write sometimes for Newsday in, in Long Island and sometimes for Great Britain and not basketball but golf and tennis. But, yeah, I mean, I'll go to the game uh, as, as many games as I can and uh, jump around. So, like, the A's are playing. It, it's tough th- right now. The Giants are playing. The A's are playing. The Warriors are playing. Yeah. And the Sharks are playing. As long- and so uh, what, do you, what do you do? <laughs> Where do you go? And uh, at my age, like, people say, why are you still doing Yeah, and that's the question. Why don't you retire? And I uh-huh. said, well, I've retired in a way because I can't get a full-time job, which I'd like to have maybe a... 80%, 75% job. Uh-huh. But if I retired, what would I do? Go to ball games? That's what I do now. <laughs> so you have some streaks, um, but the big one is the Rose Bowl streak. Are you on 64 or 65? 66. 66. Tell this me the first Rose Bowl you went to. Uh, 1954. Uh, I, as I said, I grew up in L.A., and, and my dad had a little mom-and-pop market in Highland Park near Pasadena and I wanted to go to the Rose Bowl and somebody said why don't you go as a program salesman it was like 14 15 14 I guess and you wear a white shirt and you'd go sign up and you sold programs right and so that that was the January 54 UCLA Michigan State I've not missed one since then and it wasn't easy a couple of times when I got <laughs> I was at the Chronicle. I was the Raider beat man. The Raiders played in Denver on New Year's Day, but that was a Sunday. The Rose Bowl was on Monday. The then sports editor did not know I was doing this. I jumped on a plane and flew to L.A. and (laughs) and went to the game. So I've been able to keep that streak going. It's a personal thing. It's stupid. (laughs) I mean, it's not stupid. Well, it is. And I, I've done a lot of, but the thing is, it's like that's what I do. That's what I like to do, and and I have to be at. The, and you know, and once again, that isn't why I do it. But they put me in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame two years ago, uh-huh. and I rode in the parade uh, in an old car with Ricky Irvins and Bobby Bell, two guys who earned it, who played in the game, and here I am, and I got a plaque on the wall of the Rose Bowl, <laughs> so which is great for my grandkids. Well, you you brought it up that uh, you wouldn't want to. You're, you're going to go to sporting events anyway. Do you, do you think about? And this isn't a suggestion, but do you think about retirement, or is this retirement? Well, this is when you say retirement. What? I, I unfortunately, I used to play a lot of golf. I'm, my balance is so bad, I can't play golf anymore. My wife is a travel agent and works full time, and we got uh, uh, two daughters. One lives in L.A., one lives here. Three grandkids, two live up here. So it isn't like we don't, you know, we're trapped and not doing anything. Yeah. We go to dinner a lot. I was a wine writer for, uh, 
in the late 60s by accident, and I got very interested in wine. And my wife is a travel agent, and we, and basically, I go to Wimbledon and the British Open, and then we spend two weeks someplace, France, Italy, and so it isn't like I'm missing anything. <laughs> uh, and, oh, I better get back. The 49ers have an exhibition game. And, you know, I love going to stuff. And, and I like watching games. And uh, if I'm not working, I'll come home and I'll turn on who's playing tonight. In fact, uh, just today, I flipped around. The Red Sox are playing the Tigers, a day game. Yeah, I watched it. And the Tigers beat the Red Sox. By the way, the, the Giant fans ought to be liking what the Red Sox are doing. Yeah. They're the World Series champions, and they're having a terrible season. I also, I think one thing notable about you is you still seem to love sports. And I even, you know, I'm 48, and I'm starting to feel a little, oh, they're not doing it like they used to, and baseball's changed, and they're trying to make all these changes. I don't get that from you. You seem to enjoy this well, maybe as much as you did in the beginning. Well, I enjoy the the uh, the talent i enjoy the the people uh, su- the success you might say the achievement the the, the errors in other words uh, people all, we all make mistakes and and the great stories out there a guy fails and he comes back but the I, I don't care about a lot of the things maybe i cared about 40 years ago 30 years ago but I, the games, yes, they've changed. We have changed. Society has changed. And, and so, you, you know, the, one of the things I, I read years ago, and now that I'm a grandfather and with one grandson and two granddaughters, and I agree, um, is that baseball enables the generations to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. You couldn't talk my 11, 12-year-old grandson about anything else, but he start, he's saying, why are they throwing this guy? And, and, and that's what the fun of the game, of all our games. And he watches the Warriors, and my wife watches the Warriors. She's always been a basketball fan. And obviously, as we found, and it did it with this town, and it's done with every other city in town, when teams win, the citizens feel better. Yeah. And, and there's no good, good and countries feel bitter. You win the Olympics, hey, we're, you may not be better than anybody else, but, but excuse me, but you feel good. And it's nice because so much of the news, as you well know, is negative. And sports is maybe the only positive, one of the few things. A, a cure for cancer, yes, or uh, some 15-year-old. Um, winning a, a violin prize or something like that. But sports, they're going to be losing and winning, but basically it's somebody achieving something. That that young girl from from uh, Oakland, San Francisco, who won the ice skating, uh-huh. it, it, it's a great story amongst all of the, the detritus, uh, all the problems. Here's a see, so sports is still the same. It's, a, it's somebody doing something well. You're making me feel good, Art. I, I need huh? to talk to you more, man. <laughs> my, I, oh, you ought to talk to my wife. <laughs> now, hey, listen, if, if you don't, this, I've told people this. I've Guys at the Super Bowl, oh, I don't like this. If you don't like going to the Super Bowl, you're in the wrong business. If you're uh, uh, an art critic and you don't like going to the Louvre, and I've been there many times, 
then why are you doing this? Why are you in this business? Uh, you know, we all get jaded. And, and, and I work the desk, and desk people say, oh, another story. They, they, in fact, the, the desk people root against the home teams because it makes their job easier. Yeah. But it's, it, if, if you don't like uh, writing uh, about this is the fun side of journalism, sports, um, uh, the arts, entertainment, and, and you're doing that, then why are you doing it? Then just you know, get out of it. You could be running a jigsaw or something. I mean, this is, look at all the people, they always tell me, can I carry your computer to, to, to the Masters? And I just came to my 53rd straight Masters, and, and it was great. It was fantastic. And I've been going there, and yeah, there's things I don't like, and this gets on your nerves. But if you don't like going to major sporting events or even minor ones, then why are you in the business? You've got me fired up, Art. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm ready to do some work. Okay. Uh, I, got, I got one more, but okay. I want to do www.artspander.com. Right. People can read you. And last one's just a statement. I, I got to say, I, I thought a lot about it before you came on, why I like seeing you when you're at a game or seeing your social media or seeing that your streak's been extended. And it makes me feel like I'm 48 and you're... 80, 80, unfortunately. 80. Like, that tells me I got 32-plus years that I might still love this gig and I might still enjoy not just journalism but sports. Yeah. yeah. Well, just that, you know, people say, why don't you retire? If if I worked in a, in a maybe a night desk for 25 years and never just saw the walls and, and people came in and said, hello, and... But I don't do that, and neither do other sports writers. Yes, things have become a bigger problem now. Papers insist, uh, keep tweeting, uh, keep writing this, and poor baseball writer is writing, running, and he's doing tweeting and everything else. But you got to work for a living, don't you? So you might as well do something that you enjoy, at least in part. And if you don't enjoy it, then get something else. Love it. We're going to close with that. I want to thank you for coming back to the Chronicle. Thank you for coming <laughs> to the big event. And uh, thanks for uh, continuing to, to contribute to the sports scene. Well, thank you. Hey, I, I, it's, it's my pleasure. <laughs> thanks, Art. Darling, it's 2 a.m. It's time for closing. The cops, they're all sideways. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Art Spander. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke. And our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album, Community. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.